imagine if basketball like the backboard was like constantly rotating and like pushing and stuff like that and like bumping the ball and stuff like this and if that was the case using a bank shot would be so hard but it's not like that the backboard is stable the backboard isn't moving um but with passing we're obviously it's not locked in so we have to figure out a way to align that backboard allow that ball to see us and then if we need to manipulate the ball a little bit as far as power or as far as giving it a little bit of height then we can manipulate the ball then but it's not going to be like a complete manipulation of just being like okay here comes the ball all right now you got to go to setter's location mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's all about establishing that stability once again there's that word so Welcome to the first edition of the Better at Beach podcast. Uh, This is going to be streamed to YouTube. We're going to chop it up. We're going to put it on YouTube. And we're also going to put it on podcast outlets as well. So if you ever want to join us live at the live version, you are more than welcome to join us. You just need to either like our Facebook page, Better at Beach Volleyball, or check out our YouTube channel and make sure you're subscribed to that. What we're going to do on this podcast, on this show, is we're just going to coach. We're going to coach you. We're going to teach you ways to become better. We are going to get some cool guests who can hopefully challenge our ideas um, and discuss them at the same time. And I'm planning on bringing on players, bringing on coaches, bringing on sports psychologists, which I think uh, we get a lot of requests in our email list and our Facebook group from people want to see and hear the mental side of sports and how to fix that. So that's what we are heading into. So if you're following along, welcome to our first effort <laughs> at a new skill. But yeah. <laughs> Golf clap. Um, and, you know, I guess life lesson from here that that me and brandon have learned about starting a company and about playing sports at a high level is man just try it Uh, just start i mean there's so many people who don't play their first tournament for years you know when when they're starting in beach volleyball they're they're nervous about playing a tournament because they don't know how to start how to get there and we do not know how to do what we're doing but we we bought our beach volleyball (laughs) we bought our headphones and uh we're gonna start by doing it and then we'll get the critique from there and we can only be better but you can only get better if you start and i think that's my first piece of advice for today what do you say brand yeah i like it and i think uh kind of any any time you get a chance to open your horizons of learning a new skill whether it's volleyball or talking and speaking to people um the communication and the kind of relationships that will develop from that are amazing. I think that's why we're, why we're here. So it's cool like to it. open that avenue up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we'll be able to, to bring, you know, we have this YouTube channel, right? When we've got a great Facebook group, people who are constantly asking questions and great volleyball minds who are always answering them in the group. And what I realized is through a podcast, like, I listen to two, maybe three podcasts per day. I'm not always fully engaged, but some of the skills that I've learned on on podcasts from beach volleyball, and then a lot about like um, building a business, um, I've probably heard from a lot of podcasters at this point on their 
podcast episodes when they were a guest with somebody like the side side hustle show podcast, um, the online course creators podcast, all these that I'm listening to and I'm learning from. And I said, wait a second, you know, I personally am learning from all of this and I'm not even like putting that out there. So now that our, our YouTube channel is, is really strong um, and we've got great engagement on it. We said, you know, we got to meet people where they are. So if you're able to listen to us while driving in your car or while cooking dinner or whatever, uh, then, you know, it's another avenue to get better at, at our really cool sport. Yeah, and I think talking your way through some things, um, I've known recently, like, I've been having a lot of conversations with coaches about certain ideas. And I think being able to just communicate it and try to figure out a way to voice what you're trying to do. Um, I know like with my background being a teacher, like I learned, I learned something very well when I'm studying it, but then being able to talk about it and teach it to somebody else or just have that conversation is, is just a really good way to shore up your understanding of something. And I think it, it'll, it helps along the way as well. So. Couldn't agree more before we get started. Uh, we'll probably have a jingle at some point and maybe some cool graphics and somebody with a deeper, cooler <laughs> voice <laughs> saying that this is a podcast. <laughs> we'll get Hudson Bates on here doing it. Yeah. But a <laughs> um, few announcements. Uh, this coming week, if you guys are in New York or Long Island, I'm coming home. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm from Queens and I hang out a lot in Long Island with my buddies there. And there is an indoor beach volleyball facility. It's got two courts. It's called Endless Summer in Long Island, and I'm going to be running a two-court clinic. There's going to be three sessions. That's this Saturday. Um, what is the date for this Saturday? 19th, 18th, December 18th? ish Yeah, right around there, 19th. Okay. <laughs> um, and you can find out, you can sign up for that at betterbeach.com forward slash clinics. So if you're in the New York area um, and you want some information, go ahead and you can DM me on Instagram. I will bring up my little Instagram account onto the live screen right here. Um, and if you want to DM me there, you can. If you just want to sign up, go to betterbeach.com forward slash clinics. Next announcement is that our April camp booking goes live. Now we've been having a lot of fun in Florida, like a lot of fun in Florida. And we've got a, a great hotel partnership in the postcard Inn, and we have sold out the December camp, sold out the January camp. We actually still have spots for the open men's level. So if you're an open male player, we have a great highly competitive court already set up we're just looking to add more bodies to that so if you're an open men's player and you want to get in on the camp that's the january 2nd to january 9th dates uh get in touch with us quick because you can't book it anywhere else unless you come through us so make sure that you're sending us a message december 26th is of course sold out and like i said april 3rd our camp on April 3rd is going live today at 5 p.m. Anybody who's on our email list will get first notice. Well, first our beach volleyball mastery members from our coaching group. Then after that half hour, then we send it to our email list and then we pump it out into our social media. So um, if you are interested in being one of the first to sign up, we only have 40 spots per camp. We like to keep it small so that our coaching quality stays high. And... Um, 
just be ready if you want to book it because I get the feeling that this one will sell out uh, the fastest that we've ever sold out. Yeah. So. And uh, if you don't know anything about our camps, um, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, we run these adult vacation volleyball camps where people are meeting us in St. Pete Beach, Florida. Um, it's a week long and we pretty much have a focus every single day of what we're trying to make you better at. We give you a lot of really, really good coaching. Um, all of our coaches are beyond phenomenal. Um, every single time we run a camp, I think Mark and I are ecstatic of how good those coaches are. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have just a lot of fun too. So like not only are you getting better, but a lot of opportunities to play in little fun tournaments. Um, you're, we go out every single night and have like theme nights and dress up and, and party. And it's just like adult summer camp, just a blast. So if you have any questions, Chanel support at beach.com. Um, is there anything? You awesome. Um, so April camps going live. If you guys uh, ever want to join us for a clinic as well on that camps page, betterbeach.com forward slash camps, uh, you can fill out the form that says, hey, I, I might want you guys to come to me and run a clinic in my hometown. We would love to do that. We have a lot of open dates and we are going to San Francisco January 28th. Um, we are going to Grand Sands in Ohio on March 11th. We are going to uh, the Ozark facility, which is 10 indoor courts in Missouri uh, on March 25th. We're going to the Dino on April 22nd, and hopefully we can set up a little clinic there. Hopefully we're setting up a clinic with FUDS <clears throat> on April 29th. And for Westchester Volleyball in New York, we will be there May 6th. If you want us to come to your hometown, let us know if you got a facility or you have a club and you want us to run a clinic with you, let us know. Um, that's it. Are you ready? Are you ready for the lesson? I'm ready. Let's, uh, let's teach some volley. Let's teach some volley. All right. So today's topic, today's <laughs> lesson, what we're going to be uh, talking about is nine ways to fix your passing. So we're going to talk about serve receive, we're going to talk about passing, and we're going to talk about everything, the most common things that we saw. Now, we're able to build a list of nine things, and we just, we just did it 20 minutes before the show, and we said, okay, we'll talk about that, we'll talk about that, talk about that. And a lot of these are really common, but not all of these apply to every player. So you don't have to think about all of these, but one out one at a time you need to add one of these to your repertoire. You cannot try to do all these at the same time because then they'll all get away. So if you guys want to write them down or if you ever want to refer back to this video or this recording, you guys let us let us know what sticks out as far as like the most helpful. And anytime we get those little things in our in our private messages and we get those people who, who reach out to the email and say, man, this fixed everything for me. Uh, that's a good feeling for us. So stay in touch. Number one, Brandon, you want to take it down because you said that this was advice from me yeah. that got you. Yeah. So uh, the first thing is we call it a rib tuck. Um, and, you know, my, my background when, when I've my volleyball history is I was a setter in college. So setting is a very like touchy kind of play, whereas passing is, is very structured. 
Um, so it took me a long time to kind of figure that out. And one of the first things that Mark told me when I first moved out to California, I don't, I don't remember how long ago this was, but um, I was having a day where my passes weren't as consistent as Mark or myself would want them to be. Um, and he told me about this rib tuck. And what a rib tuck is, is it's almost, if, you're, if you wanna try it with me when you're at home, uh, even if you're sitting down, it's almost like, just act like you're doing a crunch. And if you do a crunch and you can kind of feel like you're tucking that bottom rib, then it allows your back to kind of round at the top. Um, and when you're doing that, that structure of your back, wherever that is, is, is really important because whenever you're talking about keeping that structure, whenever we do a crunch or we do that rib tuck, it allows our, it allows our core to stay strong. And I think when you can keep your core strong throughout a pass and you can really focus on keeping that shape, that rounded back or that rib tuck, if you can keep that shape throughout your pass, then the consistency of your passes, you're going to be able to find that. I think a lot of the times when people start passing, um, especially if they start making errors, then they try to manipulate the ball a little bit more, whether it's by swinging their arms or trying to like bend their elbows and kind of push a ball towards the target. But this rib tuck allows you to find something that you can concentrate on doing every single time. And I think when you're able to do that, it, it really, one of the big things that I try to focus on when I'm passing is really trying to think about what my distance is from my hips to my platform, like my wrist. I like that. And yep. if, if my, if that distance starts to get smaller, then I notice that my passing is a lot harder to control. But if I can maintain that distance and I can keep not, I don't need it to be at as absolute largest distance, but if I can keep that distance away from me, then it allows me to set up my platform a little bit better. It allows me to hold my pass a little bit stronger. It allows me to track better um, and longer. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I think the rib tuck, that was, uh, it's one of the biggest takeaways that I've personally felt on the beach when I'm talking about passing. So yeah, I, I love that. And that. it's, um, one thing that, that I don't think you, you touched on is that it also gives you that space to once your hands start as far away, then you can always pull back. You can always make those late adjustments with your platform and get yourself a little bit extra time or a little bit of extra space before you contact the ball. But if your norm is like, if you put your triceps on top of your chest, you know, and so your chest is flaring, if that's your norm, you have no more room to go backwards so that if that ball floats a little bit more or you don't quite want to pass it yet or your, your feet aren't quite in the right position yet, you're going to get trapped if you don't have that space. And right. I think that's what I love about it. And uh, a lot of people make that one mistake of you say like uh, roll that back guys. We're not saying to roll your entire spine. It's the top of your spine, your, your bottom, your lumbar spine down there still needs to be like straight and rock solid. Uh, that's a part of your core engagement. That's how you're going to stay fast. So don't go all slinky back and uh, don't do what my wife does when I say like hunch because she's a gymnast, right? And she likes to be up straight and I'm like hunch and she's, oh, she makes fun of me. And she's like, like this and I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but just, right. you know, with, with less sass. <laughs> right. So uh, key number one, guys, rib tuck, 
to keep that space from your platform to your chest, that's going to pay absolute dividends because you'll have more space, you'll have an earlier platform, and you will have the tendency to push the ball to the net a lot less, right? Because once your hands are stuck to your platform, then your platform gets down a lot. And even if they're kind of close, but then you pull back and then you expose this, like you come up with your chest, then you're going to send that ball back to the back line. So that space, that rib tuck is going to uh, be a big thing. Nice. Anything else for, for key number one on, on rib tuck, Brandon? No, I think it's good. And I think if you, uh, if you want to try to practice this, a really good drill is to just have somebody like kind of serve you deep, short, whatever, and, and really try to focus on just maintaining that rib tuck, the whole, what your movements have to be to get to the ball. You know, I think a lot of times when, especially when we get a really deep high serve, people have this tendency to rise up and watch it with their whole body. And whenever they rise up, then now they're having to refine that shape and refine that platform. And I think it's just, it just takes too long. And as you get, as you get leveling up into intermediate, advanced, double A, whatever, um, if you start standing up and taking that time, then that's when your passing is just going to fall apart. So yeah, I think just really focusing on that rip tuck. It's perfect. I like it. All right. Key number two, track early. This, this was a big one for me. So I used to, um, you know, a lot of people have watched us play over, <laughs> over a lot of years. So they all get this. Um, we get a lot of unsolicited advice <laughs> and commentary we we on our game. Uh, and, uh, when I was younger, so I think a few people used to say, well, you, you just lost focus. You just lost focus. And I was just like, screw you. Like, I, I want no part of talking to you. Like, don't tell me that I'm the guy who lost focus. Like, when I'm sitting there on the court, I paid attention at every second. And then as I got older, I kind of took a look back at that. And I, I started, like, understanding, well, wait a second. What are the keys that I'm looking at? What are the keys that I'm not looking at? And one of the things that I noticed is that I didn't have a visual sequence for looking at the serve and the server, right? Like when does my mind and where do my eyes cue in? I would look at the whole picture and I would kind of take that all in instead of trying to get precise details. Now, when you get to, when that server gets the ball and Karch said it all the time, as soon as the ball is in the server's hands, he's like locked in, you know, never not looking at that server. And I've started doing that, trying to pick up exactly what side of the ball that person is going to contact, if their hand's slightly underneath it, if their hand's just on the outside of it or on this side of it. And, well, you're getting information, and yeah, you're eventually going to pick up the flight, but you're getting the information so much earlier. And once you have that information earlier, your feet can be there, you can be more stable, you read the ball, you're in a better position, and you're fully engaged. So this eye sequence or, or track early, what are you looking at? And when do you look at it? You have to start doing that on every single play. And just keep reminding yourself, just do it on every single play. What am I looking at? 
and am I looking at it and picking it up as early as I possibly can? And uh, I think that's going to go a long way. And that'll then also pay dividends for like attacking. Uh, when people are attacking, once you start looking at that correct sequence and that don't look at the shoulder, everybody says, look at the shoulder, look at the hitting shoulder. I'm so tired of that feedback. It makes no sense. You cannot determine direction from this. And I don't know why coaches told me so early on, look at the hitter's shoulder. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm looking at, at elbow. I'm looking at hand contact and that impact window of where that player is about to hit the ball. So um, track early, get your eyes on the ball and get your eyes on that hitting the impact window where the hand is going to meet the ball. And I think that'll pay a long one. What about you? What do you like to, what do you like to look at? When a surface yeah, I mean, I think uh, something that I've really started picking up on, and this is kind of one of our our coach in college, his name is Fred Chow. In my opinion, he is probably the best technical coach that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, his ability to like show you and understand what people should look like while they're passing. And then one thing that he he kind of experimented a lot when I was in college with our passers, and I just got to watch it a lot because I was a setter, um, was kind of being ready to move, but finding a way to use your body to kind of get in rhythm with the server as well. And I think if you can get in rhythm with the server and you can understand, like you're saying, and picking up on your eye sequence and what you're supposed to be looking at and what you're going to be moving towards, um, then I think it, it really, really helps. Cause like, it's one thing to look at a hitter and like, be like, okay, they're serving here. I'm going to try to beat it. But if you can somehow like one thing that he had our, our passers do was kind of sway back and forth a little bit. And this allowed them to kind of get into their own rhythm with that server. And then as that ball was served, it almost feels like you're, you're dancing with that ball as it's coming over the net and you understand where you're trying to get to, where you're trying to finish. And it doesn't become like this, you're chasing something, you know, like, I think that's kind of one of the, the hard parts of a server, Steve, especially when we're thinking about tracking is that it's like, oh, they serve the ball. Now it's my turn to run and make sure that that ball doesn't touch the sand. Um, but I think if you can really use your eye sequence, your ideas and like really picking up on that rhythm and looking and seeing what their contact points are going to be, um, then not only are you tracking early, but you're also, you're moving early and you're moving relaxed. And I think if you can get that eye sequence correct, then it turns a, a ball that you're moving a lot on. It doesn't make it feel stressful. It just makes it feel a little soft and nice. So. I think that uh, if you can figure out that tracking, it definitely, it's definitely something that can help. Hell yeah. All right. Track early. Get your eyes there and you will be a better passer. Key number three. All right. Number three, how to fix your passing. Key number three, we're going to say stable torso. Uh, this actually kind of combines with, with rib tuck. Right. And of course, tracking is going to help this. But a lot of people, when they move or when they're shuffling, they get into this kind of gallop because that's how your legs want to move. Right. Like your hip wants to extend, your knee wants to extend, your quad wants to flex. So when you're side shuffling, that high extension, when you get into that triple extension, that athletic move, it's going to naturally try to lift your body body's not necessarily meant 
to side shuffle. It doesn't operate very quickly or efficiently like that. So we all get this kind of waving gallop when we go for a side shuffle. And then same thing for high deep serves or short serves or some anytime the server puts up a ball, your body just gets naturally attracted to it. And I, I call this uh, the yo-yo effect or Labrador syndrome right where you see when you're messing with a dog and you like throw a ball and you see their whole body go after it right and they their whole body starts reacting instead of just their head and they move now if you can prevent that from happening if you can keep this quiet instead of popping all the time like making those ribs come out making your body go up and down in the end what everybody needs to realize and and throughout the course of this podcast guys uh, this recording you're going to hear me refer to this again and again and again, but passing serve receive is it's an accuracy skill. So while I have uh, next to no experience with firearms <laughs> or with being a sniper, I have seen some Matt Damon movies and <laughs> I think that qualifies me as an expert in marksmanship. Yeah. You Good. are the born. So that's established now. When we're talking about passing, right, you don't want to be moving. Of course, like it, it, let's just say you're shooting something or you got a bow and arrow. It's harder on a horse or harder when you're moving than it is when you're stable. So do you like to be stable? Yes. Um, but if you're like coming in, you're a, a CIA agent, special forces, when you're coming into a building, you're keeping this super quiet and all of this super stable and out and prepared. It's not like running, pow. Pow, you know, <laughs> with your arms pumping. Uh, so you have to keep things stable in order to be accurate so that your eyes can track the ball better. So I like to give people, uh, along with that rib tuck uh, advice, is put a plastic shell, like a cast, on the entire upper body from your ribs, like from the, maybe your belly button, all the way until your head. And if you can feel like you're locked into that cast for a little bit, that'll help with this big explosive moves that come from your torso. Um, and that last second jerk, right? That's what's going to affect you in a really negative way when you're passing. So uh, one of my favorite keys is 100% keep your torso stable and fight for that. And the more you see it moving, if you just record yourself from the side of the court anytime you're in serve receive, Check out to see how much the level of your torso and the shape of it changes. And that you could coach yourself just by just by recording yourself uh, from the side. So that is my fourth key, the better of each fourth key. Uh, sorry, that's a third key. Uh, keep your torso stable. What do you got? I think the fourth one is making sure that you're squeezing your hands and your platform. Okay. What does um, that do? I... You know, especially I've, I think I came, I did a video a little bit ago. And one of the big things that I, I spoke about was just being able to hold your finish. And I think like, especially if we're going from a stable torso, um, the next thing that you have to think about is your platform, right? And a lot of us, we, we have these holding positions that kind of have the ability to move but something with me is like i really really want to hold my finish right so like whenever i make a pass like i don't want my platform to break apart um and i think if you can if the the keywords that we're you're going to hear a lot throughout this 
podcast throughout this kind of introduction where we're talking about passing is stability and strength, you know, and if we're able to hold that platform and squeeze our hands, then that's going to make sure that your platform is as strong as possible. And if you can make that platform really strong, then that's when the ball is going to, it's going to bounce off it very nicely. It's not, it, there's not going to be a different way that you're passing the ball every single time. You know, I think people that hold their platform kind of weak, the ball might touch their platform a little different each time that they pass. And then they're like, why is the pass not going where it wants? And it's like, well, the ball's listening to you, you know, like this ball is, the ball is the dumbest thing on the volleyball court. I hope. Um, <laughs> And if Half you're wondering why, yeah, right. <laughs> if you're wondering why the ball isn't going where it's where you want it to, it's because you're telling it to go somewhere else, you know. And I think if you can squeeze that platform, if you can squeeze those hands, and you can have the same kind of platform that the ball should be bouncing off every single time, then that's going to allow you to think of something different. Maybe it's an angle. Maybe maybe it's your where you're putting your feet. It's it's just something along those lines. So I think if you can hold your hands squeeze those hands, hold that platform tight. Um, it'll allow you to focus on other things like your, your torso, like your platform, like that rib tuck, um, maybe foot movement. So. Yeah. It was, it was the biggest thing for me that, that hand squeeze thing, because, you know, we're going to catch a lot of commentary on this, but, uh, I, I get into this discussion nonstop about how early to hold your platform and how early to get it there. And again, I'm, I'm going to like call back to accuracy training, right? It, you don't want to wait until the last second to aim at something and put it together. And then like, imagine you had to aim it, then cock it, then pull it, right? Now you've got a lot to do late and that's going to lead to errors. When you leave a lot to do late in volleyball and life, you're going to make more mistakes. So all of that early preparation, getting your hands together and locking them, what I used to do is I, I used to try to track float serves. And I'm sure a lot of people do this as well. But when you track it, your arms, they do think and act separately. They do not act as one thing. They move in the same motion, but th these guys are acting independently, right? And when you're trying to get that perfect spot on a float serve, both of your arms are going to choose a different spot at a very, very slightly microseconds different time. And that's when either you're not going to get your arms together and that ball will die, like you said, it'll just die right off your hands. Uh, or one arm will be in the perfect spot and it'll make the correct angle, but the other arm won't be there to back it up. And that's when you get a shank off to the side. So I get into a discussion a lot where people are like, oh, well, if you have people put their hands together, they always shank off the side of their of their body. And I see no reason. The only reason that you would do that is because you just didn't dip a shoulder. It has nothing to do with this. And if you look at the elite passers in the world, you will see all of them get their hands together just as that ball is crossing the net. And it's they're not waiting until the ball's three feet from them. So if the ball's already, like if my hands are together when the ball's crossing the net, how much difference is it going to make if I put my hands together basically on the serve? Not a lot. The only argument you have is that it's a little bit harder to counterbalance your body as you're moving, right? But we should be one to one and a half steps from 90% of our serve receives. So it, I don't find any value in leaving my hands apart so that they come together at the very last second.
And I, I don't think that that value overrides the like speed drop that you have um, for that one and a half steps. If you were a wide receiver and I was throwing you a 40 yard pass, I would not have you run like this. Right. Yeah. Then I'm going to run. And then, of course, for like the last two or three steps, your hands start preparing. And that's the same thing for volleyball. Right. Your hands start preparing by those last two steps. And if you're in serve receive, you're really not taking a step. It's a step one way, a, a shuffle step one way or a shuffle step the other way. So squeezing those hands enforces that locking mechanism and make sure that one hand doesn't try to pull away at the moment of impact. And I think that for me, that was a monster difference. And I had to completely override everything that so many coaches had told me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to have any of these weak, low passes anymore. I'm locked. I'm squeezing it. I'm making it firm and I'm bringing it together early and I'm chucking it like a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I think, especially when we start talking about like when they do this, they start shanking, you know, I, there's so many other variables when we're talking about passing. And I think the biggest thing it comes down to is being a simple machine. You know, like when you are passing, if you can eliminate a movement, you should. And like what a lot of people, especially beginners, what we see is we see them putting their hands together, releasing their hands, bending their elbows, sometimes praying, sometimes moving. And then, but if you're watching an AVP finals somewhere, these people are getting the serves hit at them and they're doing the most minimal movement they can to make their platform strong. Um, and if that's you holding your platform early and then tracking while you're doing that, if that helps you get your platform together stronger and you're able to hold it longer, then obviously that's going to help. Absolutely. I think we covered that key effectively. Yeah, that was good. Nice. Um, hopefully you guys are getting a lot out of that. I think there's a, some, busyness in our chat going on so guys keep keep throwing in those questions keep throwing in those comments and after this we're going to get in there and we're going to do some q a with you so if something comes up that we're talking about and you're like wait that doesn't quite make sense throw it into the chat right now we'll scroll through it and of course make sure that you uh stay to the end so that maybe you can throw that question in again if it's really important to you okay so stay to the end for that live q a um and we're going to move on to our next key number five guide or push the ball don't hit it when we see people pass the ball who don't understand like what the angle does that they're setting up a place for that ball to approach them and then it just reflects off of them i think people kind of treat it almost like it's a fly swatter like they want to touch and then leave touch and then leave so bringing it back to some of the other keys that we've talked about get your hands out there early and let that allow that ball to bounce off of you. But if you hit and retreat, if you act like this is a hit or a high five, instead of carefully guiding the ball or like um, <laughs> tossing an infant, I always get some laughs out of that. Like, apparently people don't toss babies nowadays. <laughs> but uh, back in my day when we were chucking thing. babies across the sand, it was a very... <laughs> It was a very soft and fluid movement. And if you're passing, it should be the same. You shouldn't feel this. Pop, pop. And most people don't know that they're doing it, but their hands retreat immediately. They bring them out quick. They tuck, they pull them away quick instead of, you know, some people like you's uh, maybe you're about to jump into this, but like hold that trophy pose, uh, show the form of your pass long after the touch, you've got time to get to your next position. So, 
think about pushing the ball, guiding it with your forearms and not touching it or hitting it. Uh, that's, that's a big, big, big key that we see mostly in beginners, but a lot of like intermediate advanced people still have that necessity to just pull away as soon as they've contacted the ball and you should just massage it. Enjoy the pass. Stay in there. Yeah. I think that word surprise is like really a really interesting thing to think about when you're playing volleyball. Like when you're passing and setting, the ball should not be surprised when it's getting touched. You know, it should be a long touch. It should be, it should see if the ball had eyes and when it was coming over the net, it should see that platform out there early. It should know like, oh, I'm going to bounce off this platform and I'm going to go to this different location. I and like that. You're if the able ball to, had eyes, yeah. what would it see? But a lot of times, like, especially with beginners, when we see this really jolty pass or this really jolty set, um, if the ball was, once again, had those eyes and it's coming over the net, it's like, where am I about to bounce off of, you know? And then all of a sudden at the last second, it's like, oh crap, like now I'm 60 feet in the air and this person just passed the ball up there. Um, so I think if you can, if the ball had eyes, if it's able to see that platform as early as possible, then like that's when the control really comes in. Um, kind of the same thing. I always talk about basketball and, you know, Tim Duncan, I think a lot of us know who Tim Duncan is. If you don't, he's phenomenal basketball player, hall of famer. Uh, and he kind of known for like his bank shot, you know, mm -hmm. like whenever I think about somebody who perfected the craft of a bank shot, like I think of Tim Duncan. He's um, the guy. Yeah. And like, he was able to figure out like what, where does he need to hit the ball on the backboard and get that ball to bounce in the, into the rim every single time. Uh, but like <sighs> basketball, definitely not an easy sport. There's a reason I don't play it anymore. But you're able to figure out where you can play, where you can shoot this ball and go in. It can still go in the hoop by hitting it off of a platform or the backboard. Imagine if basketball, like the backboard, was like constantly rotating and like pushing and stuff like that and like bumping the ball and stuff like this. And if that was the case, using a bank shot would be so hard. But it's not like that. The backboard is stable. The backboard isn't moving. Um, but with passing, we're obviously, it's not locked in. So we have to figure out a way to align that backboard, allow that ball to see us. And then if we need to manipulate the ball a little bit as far as power or as far as giving it a little bit of height, then we can manipulate the ball then. But it's not going to be like a complete manipulation of just being like, okay, here comes the ball. All right, now you got to go to setter's location. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's all about establishing that stability. Once again, there's that word. So I like it. Okay. So guide or push it. Don't hit it. Yeah. Key number six. Right. Yeah. This is a long one. This we could have, we could have easily done like five keys. Yeah. Save ourselves an episode, but we do have like a hundred, a hundred episode list that yeah. we can go through and we can just riff on. And if, if you guys are listening, if you're ever out there, if there's something that we should be talking about, here's what we do. We take our Facebook group, uh, volley chat, get better at beach volleyball. If you're not in that Facebook group and you love beach volleyball, you need to be in that Facebook group. Go ahead and join. Cause we keep a very, we run a very tight ship. Um, we make sure that everything there is to get you better 
at our sport. And if you're not engaging in conversations, so if you're just kind of posting and sending out stuff instead of helping others when they post, and then you get to say your piece, right? Then you get to post something. Uh, we're gonna remove you or freeze you. And we have a number of people working on that who are doing that. So we keep it pretty spam free. And all of the questions that we see in that group that get a lot of conversation, we take a look at that, we throw it into our Excel sheet and we say, hey, it's obvious that people wanna hear about this, they wanna discuss it. So we need to make a video on it or we need to you know, record a, a podcast on it. So. Uh, if you guys are not a part of Volley Chat, Get Better at Beach Volleyball on Facebook, go ahead and join that group so that you get to hear our announcements and you can ask questions and engage. And then at some point, one of your good questions is going to be covered by us here on these recordings or on one of our YouTube videos. Um, uh, that being that being said, since that was kind of a commercial interruption to join our community, um, I just want to let everybody know who doesn't know, for the people who take our classes in California and come to our camps, we run courses and we have an online coaching group that meets two times per week where we meet just like this, except all of our members meet. They all submit their videos piece by piece and submit their questions. And those are the first people that we answer. So when we structure like how we're going to order our day, we answer our emails first, then we go into our private Facebook groups with our coaching members, and then we go into volley chat, and then we kind of uh, go and disperse ourselves to our individual social medias. So that's our, that's our hierarchy of response. So if you want to be on our priority list, or you want to get questions answered, or you want to learn the game, but in a very, very, very in-depth way. We have structured courses. So we have a fix your arm swing course, which Brandon wrote. We have a uh, attacking course, side out and win tournaments. We have a 30 day setting course. We have a max uh, vertical jump program and a few others as well. And what you can do once you get into those groups is you can choose to take your own course. So you take one of the courses or you can follow with the group. So Joe, who's running those practices, those meetings right now, she takes everybody through one course at a time. And then she says, here are your drills for the next two days. Go do them at home or try to find a wall or try to find a volleyball court. And you'll be able to do them. You record them. You post them to our private Facebook group. And then we coach you. We, wherever you are in the world, we are coaching you on your technique, on your strategy, on your in-game decisions. So we really invite you to do that. Uh, go to betteratbeach.com, check that out, and become a Beach Volleyball Mastery member. And then you get to work with the coaches personally as and you get all of those courses laid out piece by piece so that you have a structured set of tutorial introduction to the lesson and then how to fix it with the drills that you get to do at home and no you do not need a partner you don't need a facility we show you how to maximize every course every skill every concept and be able to do it from home so for anybody who's ever interested in that betterbeach.com it's our beach volleyball mastery group and you can take those courses and we coach you through it and if you don't want to do that if you like the in-person stuff meet us for a camp the sixth key is is kind of easy and, and can go quick and again it, it also touches back on our our first key which is the rib tuck the shoulder shrug you know, a lot of a lot of guys people i think guys especially they say oh man i can't get my i can't get my elbows to touch is that a problem first of all no it's not a problem 
But over time, your body will become more flexible in the positions that you put it at. So if this is as close as you can get your elbows, well, if you put yourself for a long time in this position every day by passing and playing volleyball, this becomes a new normal for your body. And then now your extended range gets to here. And then your extended range gets to here. So it is partly mobility. And your arms will come closer together the more that you kind of force them into that mobility position. So don't worry right now if your elbows aren't touching. Some people's elbows never, ever touch. But a lot end up doing that because they pass so much that their body starts reshaping for them the more you put yourself into that position, okay? Uh, much like if you're sitting at a computer, this will then shrink your range of motion. It will be harder for you to stand up straight the more you sit on your computer and roll yourself forward, right? However, here's the cool part. If you sit at your computer, you might be in a better passing position because <laughs> <laughs> your shoulders get shrugged and you're able to get into this position. So uh, if you're at home and you're thinking like, how can I get myself into a good passing position? One of the keys I like to give is go ahead and try to rub your cheeks with your biceps, get them up nice and high and see if you can snuggle in between those biceps. And then once your shoulders are up and the thing about it is they come up and they protract, right? That's a big key is that they don't just come up like this and backwards because that's a weird position to be in and you're limiting hip to hand distance, which we already talked about. But if you go out, so you protract and you shrug and you've got this little pocket for your head to be in this karch karai, like looking through your thumbs um, style, you're going to have your hands away from your hips, which is going to help you, right? Your arms are going to be able to get a little bit closer together. There'll be less separation because my shoulders can be closer together when I'm protracted and shrugged than they can from a good position here. Yeah. So you're going to limit that space in between your elbows once you shrug and roll forward. So yeah, I think uh, it's, important six to, to get that I think it's important shrug. to realize that you're doing that before you're touching. You're not mm -hmm. doing that in the action of your pass. You know, mm -hmm. if you at the end of the day, when you're done playing, if you're sore here, then more than likely when you're passing, you're doing this kind of jolted move. And you, we want to avoid that. We want to make sure that we're able to extend away and we're able to like get that, get that shape set up beforehand. Definitely. So key number seven, uh, know when to pass with your hands, like your actual hands. So you know, we're, we're not going to give you the key of like how to build your hands, put your fingers perpendicular, your thumbs parallel. Okay, maybe we just did, right? <laughs> but we want your thumbs to be parallel, however you do it. Now, if you do it like this, that's okay. Uh, we teach like this so that you have some grip and so that there's a little bit less of a ridge when you flatten your hands out because thumbs can get a little bit flatter there and they're a little lumpy here. Is that going to make a humongous difference? No, there are tons of passers that pass both ways and still get to the top of the world. But we like this because it's easy to teach and because you have a grip, right? You have a nice solid grip. Now, sometimes you can't reach a ball. Sometimes no matter how fast you are, how fast you're moving, you just can't reach it. And especially on short serves or diving plays, people still try to use their forearms when you're not going to be able to generate enough uh, bounce velocity. The ball's not going to bounce hard enough off of your platform to get to the necessary height. So if you are, if you're just barely trying to reach the ball outside and you can't get it on your forearms, 
that's okay. That's why you have this built for yourself because this is now a big, fat, wide, flat platform. Talk to Alex Valkenhorst from uh, Germany, one of the top German blockers, one of the top players in the world. And he says that he tries to pass with this big wide surface. He's like, look, my hands are actually wider than my forearms would be. So he says that he tries. And now I disagree with that a little bit, trying to just like pass with your hands. Uh, but if you can't reach the ball, you have to know like when you're reaching short, you're extended or you're diving or your body is on its way down and you know that the ball has to come up. This forearm dig is not going to give you enough power. So it's okay to take that use your hands and wrist because that's going to be a hard bony surface it's going to make the ball bounce better and if you're reaching outside then you can manipulate manipulate this angle because it's still an angle and then you're going to have a nice hard bounce and you're going to be able to use that so um for me one of the passing keys that we don't talk a lot about is know when to pass with your hands and i think a lot of people end up when they can't reach it then they open their hands like this and then they start trying to chuck it Right, because they think I can't reach it, I can't get my forearms on it. So then they they slap at it. Um, instead, just manipulate the angle using the the end of your hands. I, I, we've never Almost, talked about that, Brandon. Like, what do you, what do you think about that? Because we we've really never discussed that. Yeah. except for I mean, like I like, I like it. I, I like it a lot. Um, and I think it is it's necessary to know what what you can still do to make the pass perfect. I think it's just important to say that that's, it's almost like an emergency touch, you know, like if you can, it's the same idea as if, if you're in a position where you can decide if you're going to pass or Tomahawk, you should probably pass. If you're in a position when you're serve receiving and you can choose to use your platform over your hands, then you should probably use your hand, your platform over your hands. But if you're in an emergency touch where you're not able to get all the way there, then that's, that's where those hands come in handy. Um, and it just, it, it, it kind of, it obviously increases your range just that much further. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're somebody like for me, I'm not, hopefully nobody's watching that can take advantage of this, but probably everyone <laughs> knows already. Um, I'm not great at passing short serves. So one of the things that I really had to do to kind of give me a heads up on that was to start learning how to pass with my hands, because for some reason that really, really short serve is just tough for me to get to sometimes. So it's, it's just another tool that you can use to kind of help yourself out mm. yeah. all right all right number, number eight. eight is balanced feet and no jumping so something that i've been uh i've been thinking a lot about with passing is that like wanting to make sure that after you're done with your foot movement you feel balanced and what i mean by balance is that you feel both of your feet on the ground in a perfect world your weight can be evenly distributed in that position. Maybe it's a little bit more on one foot or versus the other, depending on what side you got served. But the one thing that I see a lot is that people are either in like, they put themselves into a lunge position when it's not necessary. So like, obviously if you get served really short and you want to run up to the net and you have to kick out your leg and go into that lunge position to get to the ball and be stable, then that's one thing. But if there's a ball that's kind of served two feet in front of your serving receive location and you're putting yourself into that lunge, I think every single one of us hates lunges as a workout. If you like lunges, then you're just sick, but um, yeah. yeah, right. But whenever you're doing a lunge, you notice that you start to get a little wobbly, you know, and if you start to get wobbly, 
when you're when you're passing, then your pass your platform is going to be wobbly. So I think if we can figure out a way to keep our feet like shoulder width apart, evenly balanced, that allows you to be strong with your legs. Mm -hmm. That allows you to be strong with your torso and your upper body, kind of like the other keys that we've talked about today. And then one of the bigger things that we see a lot, especially in beginners, is that if you're able to find this balance and the strength within your feet, then it eliminates this jump. Um, and we start, we kind of start to see, especially in beginners, if you're worried about the height of your pass, instead of thinking about just giving the ball a little bit more cushion and love and get that ball higher with your platform, people use their legs and they do this jump almost like they're doing like a hang clean or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you can keep your feet strong, keep them balanced, no jumping, you're not in the air, one foot's not in the air while you're passing, I think it just makes your platform a lot more stable. Absolutely. I mean, I, I got nothing really to add to that. It's, yeah. it's so simple, but it's so difficult to do mm -hmm. because again, you know, the way we talked about tracking early, don't move your body like late, don't have those late jumps and you ended up not, not quite trusting. It, it comes from not trusting where you are and not having the confidence, not having the repetitions to yeah. be able to do that. Um, so guys, if you can, find a way to go against a wall, a brick wall, a wall in your house and put your feet on the floor, right? Make sure that they can't move. And once your feet can't move, then pass to all different sides of you, pass high, pass low, see what it's like to leave your feet on the floor and then get in those other positions, but don't let your hips keep jumping you right make sure that you're learning to just pass with your arms so that you have the ability to control your hips on that contact are we up to our last key we are let's do it baby and it is trusting your angle you know i think a lot of people like they don't realize that kind of going back to that idea of the backboard is that if you can get that angle established and if we're going we're just kind of going full circle on this one that ball is coming over the net and it has those eyes and it's able to see your platform. And if your angle is good and the way that we find this angle is if you put your hands together and then you dip a shoulder, that's normally just about all you need to get this ball to go to the setter's location or the middle of the court. What do we say? Six feet off the net, mm -hmm. uh, six feet above the top of the antenna. Um, and if you, it's not your job to physically take this ball and move it to the middle of the court. It's your job to set up an angle where the ball can bounce off of your angle and go to that location. And once we figure out that angle, then we can start thinking about how much power we need, you know, and I, I often I'll, I'll talk about like miles per hour. Okay. And I'll say the goal of you when you're playing, we're just going to use easy numbers to make it make sense. But maybe your goal is, throughout the rally, you need to keep that ball at 15 miles per hour. Okay. So somebody the ball and it's 20 miles per hour, my job to take five miles per hour off of that ball. And the way that I do that is I would set up my angle just as normal. And then when that ball hits me, I'm going to cushion or I'm going to break away. Um, that's another whole other conversation on how to do that. But, and then vice versa, if, if the ball is served to you and it's only 10 miles per hour, then it's your job to add five miles per hour to that. And that's the way that we would do that is by giving it a little push or allowing that ball to bounce a little bit harder off of your platform. But 
a lot of people, they don't trust the angle of their platform. So they get their angle set up and then they try to also push this ball to the location. And I think when we start to do that, that's when you start passing off the net. That's when you start passing too far on your partner's side. Um, and yeah, so I think if you can set up that angle early and then trust it, just, and, and even if, especially when you're practicing, see what happens, you know, like, I think so many times people aren't willing to like, just experiment. You know, when a ball gets served at them and like, don't worry about the height for a second. Think about setting up your angle and see if it just goes to the location. And then after that, once you find that angle, then you can start thinking about height a little bit. Um, but I think if you can find your angle and trust it, it, it's it's a game changer. All right. So, guys, that's it. This is this was our first show. Um, I think it was really cool. I think it's cool to be able to hear it. Uh, force ourselves to say it in a way when we can't show it. I think it's going to make us better coaches. Um, it's going to probably help some of you learn a lot better. So what we want from you here, whether you are with us live or you're listening or watching the recording, go ahead into the comments. First of all, please like and subscribe. We're putting in a lot of time into all of our free content. We have an incredible library uh, behind the paid wall uh, on our memberships and our courses on Better at Beach. And we run some really fun training vacations. And uh, But it helps us when you guys get engaged. So if you haven't liked and subscribed, please go ahead and do that. Uh, we have Better at Beach Volleyball on Instagram, but uh, we are way more active on our Facebook group, Volley Chat, Get Better at Beach Volleyball. That's where we have a lot of discussions. Uh, my Instagram is at Mark Burick, not Burick, Burick. And then Brandon is Joy underscore Beach VB. And if you guys want a free drill book, uh, we have 36 essential drills for beach volleyball. That is at betterbeach.com. It will pop up for you, and you'll be able to see a couple of different options as well. Remember, if you head over to the camps, our registration for April 3rd training camp in Florida and St. Pete Beach consistently voted the top beach in the world, as well as the USA, of course, USA, as well as the world. Uh, whichever comes first. It's a great beach. It's beautiful. Um, there's a bar and a restaurant right next to the courts, uh, big giant pool. And we go out and hang out with each other every night. Last two weeks got sold out and that booking goes live today at 5 PM PST. If you are on our, if you're a part of our membership, then uh, you will get first notice. If you are on our email list, you will be the second people to know. And Finally, we will release it uh, to the rest of our social media and everything as that registration goes live today. And if you want to dive into, we talked about a lot about serve receive today. We have a 30 day course. Now, does it take you 30 days to go through it? No, we really only have 12 to 13 videos, but then we have all of our meetings with previous coaching groups recorded where we go into detail, just like we did here. And those details, we think, uh, is where people get the most benefit from that live training. So you're going to get that course along with a setting course, a fix your arm swing course, an attacking course, a serving strategy course, a defender course, and a peeling and blocking course. Plus, behind that wall, which we also sell separately if you want it, we have 20 fully recorded 
practice plans for beach volleyball and that's also going to come with 38 more uh written practice plans so if you're a coach or if you're just somebody who organizes all of your training with your friends and you want to jump into that uh the practice plan you can find all of this on our homepage, and we would love to have you in our personal training groups uh whether it's online or in california or at a camp so come join us come hang out with us and if you are in new york i will see you in long island this saturday december probably 18th i think um Saturday the 18th, going to run a little clinic at Endless Summer in Long Island. So DM me if you're interested. But if you know that you're ready to go, just go to betterbeach.com forward slash clinics. And if you want us to come to your facility, reach out, email us. We are trying to fill up all of these weekends. This is our very official scoring sheet. <laughs> we, run a tight, we run a tight ship. <laughs> Um, and a, a special announcement for, for me personally, uh, I'm running, starting a new podcast. I'm basically creating a school, a course of learning for myself, uh, so that I can talk to other, uh, entrepreneurially mindseted people. That's, and I need to go back to English class, but other entrepreneurs who have developed businesses um, and are trying to create income from their sport. So if you are uh, athletically minded and you have created a business, I want to talk to you. I want to interview. I, I want to learn how you did it so that we can share it and teach it to others. And uh, if you're thinking about starting it, and you are just worried about how much goes into it and a lot goes into it but we can simplify that and we can give you some paths that's going to be uh, the entrepreneurathlete podcast and uh, we'll be doing it similar to this and just hopefully interviewing people in a really cool way and so if you're interested in building a business or you're starting lessons or private training or you want to start a, a league this is going to be a place where you can really really learn a lot so entrepreneur athlete podcast is going to start i've already done two interviews and learned a ton and we just got to get them all edited so that is all we have for the very first episode of the better at beach volleyball podcast brandon all right so if you're listening to the recorded version we will see you next time and if you're on our email list we will tell you so that you can be here live with us and get into the q a which we are about to go through now. I uh, just want to start at the most recent ones. Mark Goodkin, I'm going to go ahead and say that's how you say it. Yeah, email us, Moonlight Beach. I don't know where that is, but sounds great. I love playing volleyball under moonlight. Um, Down in San Diego. I'm pretty San sure. Diego, nice. I think it's yeah, just north of San Diego. Yeah, okay. that'd be real easy. Mark, do you have a club um, there? Is that what we're what we're talking about? Do you have a club, or do you have just a, a group of adults in Sanitas? Because uh, we need a certain yeah. number to make it worth it for us to travel, and we would love to work with clubs or groups. I know a lot of adult groups end up inviting us out, and it starts with like eight people, and then by the time we show up, they're up to like thirty. So uh, if you want to start doing that, uh, we can get you in the books for a weekend. But uh, reach out and just email me at support at betteratbeach.com, Mark. And that would be fantastic if you could do that. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one, John Sweet, S-U-Y-T-E. I don't know. 
but any tips on tracking and passing a sky ball? Um, I'll, I, uh, I got some really good info. So the first sky ball I ever passed in Karambulas. Um, Listen, this are like, good. do you have to give away the keys to passing a sky ball on this? I mean, uh, I don't, I don't think too many people we play against are here, but all right. You get to give I'll one say, key to passing it. <laughs> okay. Think about passing your, with your shoulders. Is that, is that too much? No, that's great. Okay. So don't think about passing with your platform. Think about when you're tracking it, track it with your shoulders. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, we got to win too many points at FUDS with Mark Skyball. So <laughs> we can't, we can't give away too many, uh, too many secrets. I'm just going to keep going down. Do it. Question, Mark Zinn, question on the shoulder shrug. Can you confirm it is a shrug up and forward? Yes, that's the, that's uh, kind of the biggest point that we want to make sure that you understand that it is not just up, it is up and away. So you should feel like you're shrugging towards the net almost, towards the ball. No uh, question well, there. Brandon's looking through that. Flame Blasta, do y'all <clears throat> ever play in the Pottstown Rumble? I feel like I've seen one of you guys before. I've only won it five times. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended my summer this year, so. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it did. Um, but yeah, I think I got friendly to you after that. Yeah. But I, I uh, little brag, I got third this year, and Mark got fifth. So, um, whatever. Just had to let let the people know. You know. <laughs> Do you use the rib tuck when doing a bump set? Yeah, but you flare up a little bit more. So like you kind of still rise with it because you do that's a different pass because your angle has to be up, right? So your angle is gonna be almost completely horizontal versus when a ball's coming at you. Right, so you have to stay forward and crunched when you're in serve receive or receiving a free ball or playing defense, but it's okay to stay up a little bit. However, you just got to be careful to still keep your hands away from your ribs because if you bump set like this, where again your platform is attached to your chest or your torso, you're going to be in trouble. So I always like to say, like, make sure that everybody, uh, that people could tickle your armpits. So open them up, don't close them down. And then once they're out and forward, then you can lift. So you're still going to start with a rib tuck. You're still going to like make sure that your air put air pits are armed out, are aired out. But um, you will come up and you might flare a little bit, especially if you're back setting. Um, so, but that's just because of a different trajectory of the ball. You know, it's coming straight down, so your platform should be straight out versus a ball that's coming at you, and your platform's a little bit lower. There's a question about the balls, the new optics design. Um, can we be honest for a second? That pisses me off. Yeah, it's it's a little. It seems a little early, a little unnecessary because everybody there hasn't even been like a. I mean, this year I guess we had somewhat of a a full tournament season, but that was the first <laughs> time that. Yeah, but that was the first time that because this ball didn't come out until the year before COVID. Mm -hmm. And so this was the first year that wasn't the like tournament series that everybody got to play in the tournament. So now 
we already have are supposed to buy new balls. I don't. Know. I mean, there. It seems very, very interesting. I. They're going to create enemies out of their own customers. The people who are loyal to them, loyal to the the sport. People are already waiting for these balls to be. Uh, they're 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 backlogged constantly. So people are still right. dying to get this ball, and now they're going to switch it. Now they're going to you know, yeah. take all that money and say, like, we've created a new ball and all the money that you've invested in us. Now and we're making are you change it. people investing so much money. I know, yeah. like, there are people buying 80 balls at a time and selling 10, like, getting 10s for their friends. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's the amount of balls that those sold in those three years was probably way more than they normally sell and now all those people if if they want to stay in and they a lot of people like to have the new thing um then they just have to go around and do it again which is kind of weird so yeah Yeah. Uh, it's a little annoying and it's also like if anybody's been paying attention for four years then you know how much they talked about how much incredible research went into the optics and seeing the ball better and this is the best seen volleyball in the entire world we couldn't see the other one the old one so i am like how did you couldn't see it i don't know how we played so blind um and then now like by creating a new ball with a new color system you you say that like your last research wasn't good enough so all of your marketing was a little dishonest like um I'd like to t- I want to hear the, the conversations on it. I know that Wilson's doing a fantastic job of becoming a, a money monster. You know, they've increased the price of their balls. They're now at the same price as the Mikasas. Uh, they have st- uh, this big storefront in Chicago. Uh, and they're trying to take over every beach volleyball league in the world, which like whoever their CEO is right now, I forget his name. He's a, he's a monster. He's crushing it. But this change in ball right now, it's to me, it's just completely the wrong timing. And it makes me just feel like icky about it, you know, the the way that everything was. I think it also like they aren't they now using the old design for college? I think I heard that somewhere. So maybe like maybe it has something to do with that. Like they're not allowed to make the NCA ball the same as the pro tour ball. I, I have no idea. Um, if anybody knows the answer to that, uh, let us know. But <clears throat> I, I'm hoping that it's something like legal mm-hmm. and not just a, a money scheme. That's I, I really hope it's not. That. I am trying Martin, to tell yeah. my high school players how to how a good pass feels in terms of their legs, core and platform. Should they feel a flexing of each that make a solid body form? So I wouldn't say flex, Mark Zen. If if you're trying to flex the muscles, that's a little bit different. Um, Sometimes when you flex one muscle, it makes the other one rigid, which is something that you could say. So instead of saying like flex a muscle, like when we said those keys to be able to squeeze your hands, right? When I squeeze my hands, it makes my forearms a little bit more rigid. Right. It sometimes like even goes as far as locking the elbows. Sometimes if I say, you know, flex your tricep, you don't have to flex any other muscle, but that locks your arm out. 
and that keeps you stable. So you don't necessarily need to flex, but you need to experiment with, with which muscles will engage. And two of those, you know, one of them is like, you don't want to flex your abs. You can just tuck it and then they will be engaged. You don't have to flex your arms. You can just make sure that your tricep is active. Look at this. It's nice. It's getting there. <laughs> Bulking season, baby. <laughs> or flex, you know, squeeze your hands. But I, I would stay away from flexing, especially stay away from flexing when we talk about arm swing and hitting. But we'll talk yeah. about that uh, in another one. Yeah. And I think I think it's also just about, like, feeling strong. You know, I think when you're passing, like, you need to feel like you're in control. So whatever that means to you. Like, for me, um, and I, I think it's also okay to say that, like your shape might, might look a little different, like my shape versus Mark's shape. They're not exactly the same. We have the same ideas of what we're trying to accomplish with the rib tuck, with the spacing, with our, with our stability of our feet. But, um, I think it's about trying to find like that happy place where a passer can live and feel comfortable moving while also feeling strong. And it just, it takes a lot of experiment, experimenting to like, just find what that is. Cause I think, a lot of people have really strong legs, so they're willing to dip. They they're able to dip a lot lower when they're passing. <clears throat> a lot of people don't have really flexible hips, so they might have to stand up a little bit more on passing, and they might have to be really good with their feet. Um, but I think it's just a matter of really trying to find what that stability and strength feels like for you as a passer. It's not it's not a uniform thing that all volleyball players will feel at the same time. I agree with that. Uh, so. We have uh, Ted Ted, who's also Sonny. Uh, Sonny asks, when receiving a hard spike or serve, are you ever afraid of getting hit in the face? Uh, I find my fear of getting hit in the face hinders me. Uh, sometimes you, you know or you accept that you might get hit in the face for the dig. You know, I played libero uh, in college, and I was willing to wear it you know, just like right on that cheek. And... Yeah, it will happen. And if you're overly concerned with it, if fear is coming into like it's going to hurt, then you're going to flinch. But the more you see those types of spikes, the more you can react. It's very, it happens, but it happens rarely that people get hit in the head. And the way that the ball moves, like, yes, there are concussions when people get hit with a, with a hard spike, uh, but they are pretty rare pretty rare and the humans that are able to hit those balls are also rare and if you find yourself on courts with people that hit that hard and that down uh then you're playing high level volleyball and your defense should match that but uh, i've been hitting the head a bunch uh and i've never like really been rattled and anecdotal evidence is, is not really evidence but if you're staying in there more i would just say make sure that you're forearms are built so that the ball would come up if you didn't move right focus the ball on coming into your forearms and have your hands out so that your angle's already built when they're hitting that um and no it's not going to hurt that much if you get hit in the head so <laughs> yeah. and it's so don't still worry about it's it. still up you know yeah. like still winning that point yeah if you can get a second touch on it like the person that hit you in the face can scream and ooh and ah as much as they want but you still got the ball up so i think mm -hmm. that's good i like matt's question uh, matt? i meant yeah yeah 
I met a great indoor player, D1 indoor, on the sand who didn't have sand legs yet. What is the first thing you tell an indoor player to focus on to get comfortable on the sand? 100% is just spend a lot of time on the sand. There's, there's no like quick way to get your nervous system adapting to a completely different service, uh, surface other than putting your feet on the sand, moving in it, learning how each one pushes and how you slide more or less. You just have to be on the sand constantly. And there's no like fast way to get yourself used to it you will have to jump a little bit more powerfully you're definitely going to have to like really engage um your hamstrings and quads a lot more instead of using the spring from your achilles uh, but a lot of the jump sequence is similar but a lot is very very different and one thing that indoor players have to get out of when they come onto the beach is that left foot turn. So if you're a righty, usually when you step close, boom, that left foot, that block step turns in and it stops you sideways and that projects you up immediately. But we don't have that on the sand. And people always teach that, like open your hips to your setter and they have you do that foot turn on the sand. And that does not work for the sand because you don't have the opportunity to hockey stop. You will lose too much energy. So instead, you just kind of roll your right foot, much like you do in indoor, same as you do in indoor, but you don't need that hard foot block, that hard foot turn in the sand. You can keep that toe forward and rock forward because you'll spray too much sand. So less, less horizontal speed uh, in the sand and more just pounding onto this onto the last two steps but all right we got we got time for let's say two more questions and then we're gonna head out but thank you guys for staying with us uh, still got quite an audience here so i appreciate I don't you no and that might have been it uh we got volleyball highlights i've oh. always heard some people say uh always keep hips facing the net and some people say rotate them away from the net to provide sharper passing angles Ooh. We just talked about this the other day, right? We did. Yeah. I think this, this is like probably one of the more debated um, concepts in passing. And I think, I think that they're kind of the same when we're, when we are talking. So for me personally, I, I 100% know that an angle is important. Um, I think when we start dropping our hips when we don't necessarily need to, I think it can cause a little bit of issues. Um, it does allow you to establish your angle a little bit better, but if you're good with your feet and you can keep your shoulders facing the net a little bit longer and then find a way to angle your platform there, then I think, it, I think it's a little bit easier to track. Um, from what I've experienced, especially, and I, I coached um, middle school girls when I was in Virginia. Um, and I, this was after I had done like some gold medal camps and gold medal is very angle driven. You know, it's like set up your angle, drop that back foot outside your body. Um, and I just noticed when that was happening that it was making people shank balls a lot more. Um, I think when you are an adult and you have a lot of the strength to get to a ball and do all these things, then that opening up your hip can definitely 
it can definitely work and a lot of people use it like i was having this conversation with jm in florida and we were in complete disagreement he was like no way i'm never telling somebody to pass out of their midline they're always going to take it outside their body and i and i was just like no way like if they can get behind it they have to <laughs> um so i think i think it really is one of those things that you kind of have to do so for me personally I pass the ball a lot better when I think about getting my midline behind it. And then if I can't get my midline behind it, then that's when I open up and I drop angles, drop feet, drop angles. Um, and I'm able to do that. But I, I, I found for me personally, when I think about opening up and not move, not getting the ball in my midline, then my feet tend to get a little lazy. Um, that's what and, I was going to say. Like what, yeah. what's the root of, of what helps you pass better is it well now that you're saying that are you making your feet move into a better position and whether you even take the ball in your midline or outside it just thinking about that maybe gets you moving right to a better yeah, i position. think i think that that might be the case because i think to be honest i can probably pass very similar with passing in my, my midline and rotating a hip away Mm -hmm. um if i'm very conscious of it but i've noticed when i'm in a gameplay and i'm especially if i'm tired and if i'm not thinking about getting my body all the way behind the ball then that's when i start messing up a little bit so i don't know that's my that's yeah. my standpoint on it yeah and there were there were two studies right so gold medal squared like the olympic coaches they did a study with indoor players um, and they, they measured the effectiveness and they said, okay, this was an in the midline pass. This is an in the midline pass. And there's something to be said about in your forearm passing, getting it in the midline. Um, how many more serves in indoor volleyball are maybe jump serves versus float serves. Um, and the thing that I find the difference is you can take the ball with your hands in indoor. So when you do like if you keep it in your midline and you can't get your platform on it because it's at your neck, now you don't have an option. So you have a worse pass in, in beach because you, you then like you're forced into a tomahawk mm -hmm. or something like that. But if you have that in the midline and it comes up high at your neck at the last second for indoor, you can just chuck your hands on it. Um, the ball floats more drastically in on the beach. So it definitely moves. So advantage one advantage to passing outside your body is that you do have this bigger window um and that's what the dutch study which was done i think now like 12 years ago um in netherlands they studied passing again for serve receive and they looked at float serves and they did find that people were passing better on those float serves out just outside their midline and i'd have to look at those studies again so if anybody if anybody's got links to those i want to see them and if you guys don't send me links i'll look them up right away and see what the statistical sets were if people were um using beach volleyball versus indoor volleyball because there's there's some arguments um that that you can have there and discussions that you can have there that i think are all really valid and as usual take some advice from somebody apply it for a little bit and build your own art you know this is this is your volleyball it's your style do what works for you without completely disregarding your coach stay open to new pieces of advice try it see if you like it um and 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 you guys will find your way a lot better so i see a lot of open hip passing in the d1 tournament this season for serves coming from zone one to zone five especially 
Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about the final four for the women. Mm. Um, yeah. But the one thing about women's float serves on that net, those balls get on them so fast, you know, <laughs> like that's probably one of my biggest nightmares in my life is like <laughs> being in front of a crowd and having like a female on a female net, a female crushing a float. Little serve at 15 me. year old girl. Just yeah. <laughs> fearless. They're just fearless, you know? And that ball gets on you so fast that like, especially the quicker a ball goes, you're obviously not going to be able to get all the way behind it. So that's, that is definitely when you're going to see the open hit passing, especially if you're serving line to line, getting all the way around that ball is always going to be tough, but yeah. yeah. And it's, and especially if they can get it on, I'm just saying also a lot, lots of handcuffing. Um, if they're, if they're serving that same ball and it's serving that at their neck, then yeah, that's where you get handcuffed <laughs> and it does not feel good. All right. All right. Uh, guys, thank you for staying the extra half hour with us. Can't believe how many of you are still here. Awesome. That shows us, me and Brandon, that you guys are here. You guys are listening. You guys are watching. So it shows us that um, uh, we've got some proof here that we need to continue this format. And if you guys have any advice or questions, go ahead and volley chat. Uh, converse with us and if you want us to again uh, run a clinic in your hometown we have a lot of Saturdays coming up that are open um, especially in February and we're looking to fill them in different cities so uh, we'd love to meet you and hang out with you and uh, bring some volleyball to your people so Brandon any last words no I appreciate it thanks for uh, commenting and asking questions as we're going um, this is exactly why we're doing it. So we can talk to you guys and answer some questions while also dropping our ideas. So it's really fun. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Till next Alrighty. time. Signing off. Bye guys. See y'all.